Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What's up, what's up? I am Wally Carmichael, your founder and host of the Men of Abundance podcast, the Pay It Forward community, proving to you that you can, in fact, live a life of abundance and prosperity in family, faith, finances, and fitness. You just have to make the decision, get the right mindset, get rid of the scarcity mindset, get rid of the scarcity mindset, and take on a mindset of abundance. It is not an overnight process, but I assure you, it is well worth your time and effort in developing a mindset of abundance. By listening to Men of Abundance as much as you can, taking on these stories and other amazing stories of other people living a life of abundance and somehow paying it forward and giving back to the community, you will take on the mindset abundance that you need in order for you to live your life of abundance, whatever that is to you. One crucial element to living a life of abundance is giving and paying it forward. Sometimes it's synonymous. It might be the same thing. So I'm going to give you the option right now to be abundant in your actions today by paying it forward and sharing men of abundance with everyone you come in contact with. I mean everyone. About 50% of the listeners of this show are women, and I get a lot of great feedback from them. They have introduced it to the men in their lives, their husbands, their sons, their grandfathers, whoever, their uncles, they've introduced it to them, and they are getting something out of it. Pay it forward, share men of abundance with others. And for you business owners out there, if you did not know, I have started a new podcast called Abundance and Prosperity Business Mastery, and it is taken off to a great start. You can find it on just about every one of your podcast players out there. You can find it on Apple, it's on Google Play, it's on Overcast, it's everywhere that you listen to podcasts. So go subscribe to Abundance and Prosperity Business Mastery. I'm telling you, I am dropping some amazing value bombs over there in anywhere from 9 to about 15 minutes. They're very short episodes, but they're extremely powerful for you, your business, and your family. In today's episode of Men of Abundance, we are specifically talking about unleashing the leadership capacity of your teams, rather that's your home team, meaning literally your home team, or your team within your workplace or your business, whatever the case may be. Our future guest today has 25 plus years of experience working with leadership teams and organizations big and small across multiple industries. After serving as an airborne ranger with the U.S. Army's prestigious 10th Mountain Division, he helped build a successful boutique management consulting firm where he served as COO for 13 years. He has also served as CEO of a contract packaging company where he developed a passion for unleashing the leadership capacity of teams throughout an organization. In 2009, he joined forces with a West Point classmate to form Relationship Impact, a consulting firm focused on working with CEOs to unlock the potential of their leadership teams. He also serves as a senior professional instructor at the John Hopkins Carey School of Business, where he teaches courses on strategic management and human capital. He is also a contributing writer to Chief Executive Magazine. 
Jack holds an MBA from the Hagen School of Business at Lona College and a BS in Engineering Management from the United States Military Academy at West Point. Men of Abundance, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Jack McInnes. Jack, welcome to Men of Abundance, brother. How are you doing? Hey, thanks so much for having me, Wally. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, me too. Absolutely, man. When Dee introduced the two of us and uh, showed me your bio and stuff, I looked at what you got going on. Man, I, I just dig it. Leadership, and then you've got the military background, Ranger background with leadership, and you know, just the just the pinnacle of leadership right there. So I know that carries over. We're gonna have a great conversation today, man. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. So, where are you at in the world? I'm in Washington D.C. area, a place called Bethesda, Maryland. It's right right outside of D.C. Yeah, I have heard of it. I've heard of the area. I have not had the pleasure of being there myself yet, uh, but do look forward to it. It's be- it's a beautiful city. It's uh, unfortunately yesterday I just read in the paper it, it is now officially the the highest trafficked, uh, the worst traffic in the United States, um, and we can attest to that every day. So oh, I'm fortunately, sure. fortunately I work from home, so my wife my wife has to deal with that every day. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm telling you, man, that's one of the things. I lived in Honolulu for a while, for like ten years actually, and everybody talks about the 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 traffic there while it is congested if they cut you off at least they throw you a shaka you know and it's all good you feel better about yourself right <laughs> but i've heard the horror stories about dc man and i've driven in la and they could give a shit less i mean they cut you off they'll take a bumper if they if they can you know yeah. but is it like that in dc you know it's not quite as aggressive as that it's just really really congested and it's you know we've been here for 25 years or a little bit more than that and uh it's just, it's getting, yeah, it's a great city, but it's, it comes with its, uh, yeah, that's one of the challenges it comes with. It's just very congested. Yeah, that's one of the things. Traffic is one of my things because I, I work from home as well. I you know do this from home, <laughs> quite mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah, yeah. So I get out in traffic if I have to go to the VA or take my son. So I had to take him to drop his car off the other day. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is what it's like. Yeah. But I <laughs> have to deal with it. But my wife's originally from Panama, from Central America. And as much as I love Panama, man, I just cannot deal with the traffic over there. They're super, super aggressive over there in, in Panama. Just I won't drive when we go there. I just won't wow. do it. I've never been. Oh, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. So anyhow, I like to get started with an attitude of gratitude, man. What do you have to be grateful for today? You know, I I, I have to – it sounds cliche, but I, I have to – I'm so grateful for my family. My, I have just an amazing um, – you know, core family and extended family on on both sides, and uh, particularly my wife uh, of 26 years and and my three children um, are just thriving right now. I've got a 22 year old boy, a 18 year old girl, and a a, a 16 year old girl, and and they're just yeah, they're just good people that are that are curious and and, and fun and and just really interested in learning and it's uh, I'm really proud really proud of them and uh, just had the, the opportunity to hang out with my son and his friends uh, my wife and I went out to visit him in college this past weekend and just so proud that he's surrounded by, with so many cool people um, so yeah so so that primarily my my, uh, my family is a blessing Man, I feel you there, man. And I really feel you because, quite frankly, my wife and I have been married 26 years this last December. And we have oh, wow. three boys, 25, 19, and 9. 
So not too far off from you, man. No, not at all. Yeah, it's it's just fantastic. And each year, you know, it just gets better. It's just different but better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we got a pretty large gap between our boys as well. So it's always keeping us, you know, on our toes and just really exciting to see the the oldest one progress in his career and the the 19-year-old just getting started in the workforce and stuff and doing what he's doing. It's just exciting to be a part of that whole process. Yeah, my wife and her are... are, are, uh... Are, are kind of learning to, to like each other again. <laughs> no, just enjoy each other's company. It's, it's, uh, we spend a lot more time together and it's just been really fun. Yeah, that is the fun part. I, I truly enjoy that as we were talking, you know, uh, neither my wife or I work right now and she's, you know, she's finished, she's done with her gr- degree and stuff like that and she's considering going back to work. But I'm like, I'm going to be terrible for you because I'm going to be asking you to play hooky and let's run down yeah, to Epcot right. or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I dig it too. I dig being around yeah. the house all day. I don't know. This, I think she's getting kind of tired of me. That's maybe why she wants to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> so, how would you describe yourself, Jack? You know, um, I I would describe myself as as pretty intense uh, person that is uh, you know pretty competitive, but over the course of my career, my my life, I guess I've 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 grown to kind of turn that competitiveness and that, you know, that, that action orientation into really, uh, really enjoying helping others be, um, you know, kind of become who they want to become. And, um, that's, that's kind of the, the essence of the, the work that I do now, but, uh, but it's, you know, I, I just uh, aggressive and, and competitive, but very much in the interest of helping other people, get the results they're looking for. Um, you know, I guess the other part of that, I guess my kids would describe me as kind of goofy and fun and, and annoying and that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm out with my son this weekend, we're at the bar and, and, um, you know, I make friends with friends with the bartender and, and he's just like, Oh my God, here he goes again. But that's, that's just who I am. I like, I like, I like meeting people and engaging and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm, I just got this huge smile on my face because it's exactly how I, <laughs> I love <laughs> everywhere we go. I was like, why do you have to talk to everybody? I, I don't. Mm. And the funny thing is, is I don't talk as much as they do. I get them talking and I'll come back and say, did you know this and this and this and this? She's Damn like, how the hell did you get that much information out of you? You talked to them for like five minutes. I said, just ask I a guess. couple questions, get them going, you know? I get that same comment. Like, well, why do you have to talk to everybody? Yeah. Um, why not? yeah why not not? i mean i'm in an elevator i'm like nobody's talking i'm i'll break the ice and say something you know you know all the stuff that you've done and you know i read through your bio and stuff and and shared all that with the guys but my goodness i just can't imagine that everything went absolutely perfect and (laughs) so if you would share with us one of those kick in the gut moments that really kind of took you to your knees uh, but at the same time was a huge learning point for you and really make us feel that yeah, so it's easy now. It's uh, ten years removed, um, but I um, I bought a company with two partners in two thousand six. Uh, I guess towards the end of two thousand five, and uh, and we uh, we went bankrupt in two thousand uh, two thousand nine, and uh, so. That was a kick in the gut from many perspectives, and I, I'll give you the sort of the backstory on why. I I, um, I was a management consultant for the first 13 years of my career, and 
and um, small boutique management consulting firm. Um, had a great mentor um, and learned a lot. Did some great work, and and then I got really burned out, and um, I I was looking for an escape, and uh, I I I left the firm too too early. Um, I think I left primarily looking back on it now. I left because I was not only, um, burned out, but I was not as good as I once was at the work that I was doing. Um, we had evolved some of the work that we were doing and, and I just didn't like it. And I wasn't, I wasn't frankly very good at it. And I think I, I was looking for an escape. I didn't, I wouldn't have characterized that at the time. So I, I frankly, I, with a couple partners, I jumped into something. Um, we did a decent job to start and then financial crisis hit and we got destroyed. But I, uh, you know, a couple things I really, I wasn't real proud of. I, I, I uh, you know, invested some money um, without kind of con confronting, you know, confirming it with my wife. And, and so she was really caught off guard by the whole mm -hmm. bankruptcy thing and, and the backstory behind the bankruptcy thing in terms of uh, how much money we had lost. And, and um, it wasn't personal bankruptcy, but it was, you know, we were heavily invested in it. And, uh, and so there's some stuff that I, that I did that, you know, wasn't particularly with my wife that I wasn't real proud of. Um, um, and, you know, we've obviously gotten through that, but it was a, it was a really difficult and challenging time in our lives um and it it um you know i was i was able to pivot um not quickly but as i've been able to pivot my wife uh is a harvard educated attorney <laughs> that was was uh you know taking care of our kids at the time she had taken i think seven years off or, or so and and um she was able to pivot back into work and thank god for that um and, you know, but, but, but we've gotten through it wasn't easy. And I've, I learned a lot about myself. Um, and I learned, um, a lot about, you know, my, my own vulnerabilities and, and, uh, what, you know, kind of avoiding stuff and being afraid of, <laughs> of, uh, you know, confronting, confronting some personal stuff and, and, um, I've, you know, I've learned a lot from it, and I think I think it's helped me be, be a better um, consultant in terms of the, the types of work I'm doing right now with uh, small to mid-sized companies. Yeah, I definitely get that, and I feel that, and I've been somewhat in that situation as well, specifically the part where I've uh, invested money <laughs> without consulting with my wife, and then it went sour. Uh, you know, you totally, you, don't, you, you go into that expecting, man, I can't wait to share this with my wife that I invested this money uh, and, and, and doing all this amazing things uh, when the bankroll is just, you know, the money's just rolling into the bank, right? <laughs> and when it doesn't turn out like that, you, you, when, you're, when your left arm starts going numb and you're feeling, you know, hypertension and anxiety and not sleeping well at night, uh, it's just building up and building up. I totally feel that, man. I've been there well, before. Well, I, I put my family at risk, and you know, I'll never do it again. But it was, uh, it was a time. Yeah, it was a tough time. Tough time um, in our lives, and you know, we, we had some 
yeah, we've 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 we're on totally on the rebound and repaired. Um, unfortunately, my wife my wife's job is kind of tough, so she uh, she works a lot. Um, and but thank God she's you know she was able to to do that. And, you know, and then I've I've recovered as well and started another business, and uh, she afforded me the the ability and the luxury to be able to do that over time. Um, so it's, you know, I'm very, very grateful to her and my family and, uh, and the ability to get bounce back. Excellent. Yeah, I totally get that, man. So let's talk about what you're doing now, because that's one of the things that really caught my eye in, in what you're doing, because I absolutely love, I'm, I'm, I'm all about business strategy and the so many nuances of just, a well-oiled machine. Now, none of them are perfect. I've never found one that's absolutely perfect, but you can get them really close if you have the right strategies in place and the right mindsets and all that stuff. So relationship impact, you partnered again with somebody else. You got to start another partnership, but this was a, a buddy, a classmate of yours from West Point. So what are you doing with that? And how did that all get started? Where'd that come from? Yeah, I got really lucky um, during that crisis and that transition um, during that bankruptcy. My, my uh, classmate of mine from college, who I met when I was 17, uh, was one of my closest friends in college and, and since then. But um, he was getting his Ph.D. in leadership at GW, uh, George Washington University, um, which is relatively close to me. And so he, he moved back here from California, from Los Altos, California, and and we sort of just put our heads together and said, you know, what do you want to do? He, he had this idea germinating around a leadership development consulting firm. Um, and so I kind of joined him and we put, the, put together this firm and had this morphed into, it started more as a leadership development, you know, sort of training and program, leadership program kind of emphasis and what we've morphed into probably over the last five years is a or, an organization that works with the CEOs of growing companies to help them untap the potential of their leadership teams. Um, you know, so, so what, what we do is we help build, help CEOs and their teams build great leadership teams that and particularly in small to mid-sized companies, can be really um, a catalyst for a uh, more, f- more efficient and effective way of scaling a company. Um, and so it's been an amazing ride. It's been almost 10 years. And uh, the, you know, the partnership with Gil Brady has been phenomenal. He's just an, an amazing man and a, and a really, really uh, smart deep learner with a, with a, uh, passion for helping others. And so that's, that's what we do now. We, we work, we work exclusively with the executive teams of growing companies to help them scale more effectively. Now, here's the thing, you know, you, you, many people out there will look at these, you know, in your mind, you're thinking, well, this guy's a CEO. He's part of the, or, or part of the executive team. You know, they got it figured out. They got there for a reason because they know everything they need to know to run a business, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we, we hear about organizations like yourself, and there's many out there that do various types of things. Like I'm Arbinger. I'm an Arbinger uh, lead-the-leader type of um, trainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you probably know a little bit about Arbinger. You know, so explain to the guys out there 
why that may not be true that these executives have it all figured out. That's why they got to that point and where somebody like your organization comes in and says, Hey, we can take you to the next level with relationship impact. Well, you know, there's some interesting uh, studies and I'll just, you know, give you two of them. There's a study by McKinsey um, over the last five years or so that surveyed the executives um, and basically, I think it was 80% um, said that their leadership teams were ineffective. Um, and another study, <clears throat> I think actually it was 75%. And this other study by a group called Team Coaching International did another big study that suggested that 80, 80% of executives surveyed said their their teams were ineffective. So, and and the the reason is there's there's a couple reasons for that. Number one is most executives, particularly with small to mid-sized companies, put together a leadership team based on the functional, um, you know, leaders that they have in place. You know, you have a CFO, you have a line of business leader, or, you know, product development, whatever, whatever the, you know, the, the, the key leaders are. And the expectation is that you put them together and that because of their experienced uh, functional managers that they're going to know how to work effectively as a leadership team. And our experience is that that's just not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have a great CEO who is able to really step back and help build the structural foundation and the relational foundation that they need to, uh, to thrive. But oftentimes you have a CF CEO who is working their butt off on the business and doesn't necessarily take this time to step back or realizing that he or she needs to take the time, time, some time to step back and focus on how am I going to turn this team into a group of, from a group of individuals into, you know, a high, a functional team that uh, is, is focused, clearly focused on what's most important. And so that's, that's what, you know, that's one of the, the biggest challenges throwing a group of people together and expecting them to function as a team. It's a, so it's a myth and it's, it's, it doesn't always come to fruition. Yeah. That's a very good point that you brought up. I mean, many good points, quite frankly, but one that I want to build on a little bit is, you know, hiring from within, uh, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll often see some of these big, huge companies. Like uh, I had a conversation, I had the pleasure of having a conversation with Lee Cockrell, who used to be the CEO for um, or the, uh, what was he, the executive VP for Disney World Resorts. Mm-hmm. And they hired him over from Marriott. He was mm-hmm. one of the lead managers over there. You know, so you're like, well, why would you hire somebody outside the organization? They don't know any. Somebody coming from Marriott doesn't know a darn thing about Disney World Resorts, you know, and managing like 12 different hotels and restaurants and the whole bit. They don't know much about the organization, but it's the skills that they bring. And I mean, he's one hell of a leader to begin with, uh, aside from that. But it just seems logical in some people's mind to hire within because they know the business inside and out. It started in a mailroom, for instance, and worked his way all the way up. Yep. But that's not always the case. Why is that exactly? I, you know, it's hard to. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I my my perspective or our perspective is that it, it doesn't matter if you're from you, you know inside the organization or you come in from outside the organization. We often see sometimes folks coming in from outside the organization that are bringing their 
uh, frame of reference and their point of view and their perspective that is valuable, but maybe just doesn't necessarily fit the uh, the environment of the new organization. And they try to jam their their philosophy in on a new organization. It some, sometimes backfires. And so, you know, the, the, for for us, the bottom line is is a team taking some time to focus on how it's going to build itself into a great team. What is it? What does a great team feel like to them? And how are we going to get there? And 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 so there's you know there's basic blocking and tackling things that need to be put in place. Like we call them structural things. Like what what are the what are the most important things that What's the purpose of this executive team? Is it just a functional reporting mechanism, or is it some? Are we going to gain the collective wisdom of the eight to ten people on this team and focus on what's most important for the next twelve to eighteen months? Um, how are we going to meet? Or when we meet, are we going to make sure we're fo- we're maintaining most of our focus on the future versus the rearview mirror? Um, do we do we have a set of, of expectations for each other in terms of how we're going to behave together? And and then importantly, on the other side of this structural, you know, there's two sides of the coin. There's a structural side and then the relational side. You know, do we have a sense of trust among our team team members? Um, not so much do they like each other, but do, do they trust each other's intent? Um, enough so that they can be vulnerable to each other, vulnerable with each other, and confront each other and challenge each other um, well on the most important things they need to be focused on, and actually hold each other accountable to those things. So there's, you know, th- there's it. It doesn't take an inordinate amount of time. It takes some level of focus for an executive team to really determine what it is it want how what, what what type of team that we want to become and how are we going to get there and how are we going to hold each other accountable to that very cool yeah yeah very cool so what do you two do what do you and Gil do that uh, when you come in and you're working with some of these teams I mean I'm, I'm assuming you do some sort of an assessment and get an idea of where the team wants to go and then what kind of format do you guys work with to get the team to where they want to be yeah, so there's first, there's a couple things we do uh, very very quickly up front. You know, so typically we're hired by a CEO, uh, sometimes by a board, but but most of the times by a CEO. And so one of the things we try to discern in the sales process is um, does the CEO believe he or she is part of the team or part of the successes and the challenges uh, related to that team, or do they do they view it as as you know fix my team type of scenario? Mm. And uh, we we kind of avoid those, right? And, and and really try to get the CEO's head wrapped around the fact that they're part of the any the successes and the challenges associated with the team. So if they're talk if they believe the team's dysfunctional, are they do they recognize they're part of that dysfunction? Um, most most importantly, and if they do, um, you know, then the two things we do to start off. Uh, with an engagement are first of all, we, we don't do anything for less than four months because most of what we're doing is uh, dealing with adult behavior change. So, so that takes more than a couple work sessions, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so we, we, we focus first on making sure that the CEO is ready to engage in dialogue in a little bit of a different way with his team. 
And what I mean by that is like they're going to receive some feedback and how they receive that feedback is really important to how the the team, the, the start that the team gets off on with uh, an, our, our engagement. So for example, if the, if, if they receive some feedback, because what we're, we're trying to encourage is, is some more open dialogue and more open feedback is, um, and if they receive some feedback that, and they get defensive or they lash out, then it really, it really has a reverberating effect on the, on the, on the work. So we really prepare them to hear some stuff potentially that they maybe don't want to hear and be more curious about when they hear stuff that, that, that doesn't make sense to them or they feel defensive about get curious versus react. Um, and so we, we, we spend a good amount of time with the CEO or the team leader up front on that. And then we also spend some time individually with each member of the team to make sure that they recognize that this is, uh, we're, we're hired by the, we view ourselves as hired by the team, not just the CEO. And so our, any efforts we're, we're uh, working on with this team are really focused on helping the team become as great as it can be versus any one individual. And so, you know, that's just it, through dialogues, through getting to know the individual members of the team a little bit better and and really serving as a sounding board and, and, and listening and, and helping um, them just really disclose what's working well and what's not. Um, and then we do have, we use a, a team diagnostic instrument that measures seven dimensions of relational uh, performance and seven dimensions of structural performance um, related to effective teams. And, and we use that as a vehicle for getting the discussion started. And so, you know, that's a, it's a validated instrument by a group called Team Coaching International and uh, been around for about 15 years or so. And, and it's just a great instrument to provide a baseline for how the team sees itself as a system versus how any one individual, you know, it's, it's not an individual assessment tool, it's a team assessment tool. So it gets the conversation started about, huh, when we look at the results and we see, you know, we don't really see ourselves as really effective at making decisions. And we also see, don't see ourselves as very good at constructive interaction there's something between those two elements potentially that could be getting in the way, right? And so what is that? And so we just keep asking questions like, well, what do you think that's all about, right? And could be, you know, the CEO dominates the, the discussions and doesn't let people talk. It could be people are afraid to hurt each other's feelings. It could be that there's not a, there's not a, uh, a clarity of focus on what the team is supposed to be um, working on together. Um, and so it just kind of, it, it's an opportunity for the team to look at itself as a, as an entity. I don't know that I've heard of that specific tool, but I've heard of and used various tools throughout my career in the military and otherwise, and they're very effective and very, at least like you said, uh, to get people thinking about where we could make improvement and what may be the problem. So some of the stuff that you're doing, I've never heard anyway, and I've from my understanding, this stuff isn't taught in your average MBA program out there at any colleges or universities or whatnot. So where did you get all this information from? Where did you learn this from? 
You know, so I, from an early age, I've been interested in teams. I, I played basketball in high school. I actually played basketball in college, and so I've been I've been on good teams and bad teams from from a very very early age. And yeah, you know, and then a junior as a junior junior military officer as well. I you know experienced um, I had some great wisdoms from a couple of uh, sergeants that I. <laughs> That I, that I, that worked for me, but I, I actually felt like I would more work for them and learn so much from them um, on how to build a, a, a great team. And um, you know, and, and then practically, when I when I started um, my first consulting career, I was one of the first people hired by this this partner from Deloitte who was starting his own consulting firm. And a lot of the people that were hired in after me were were much more focused on the, the organizational behavior side of things. And, in, in, um, you know, so we had a PhD in psychology. We had master's in organization behavior. And I learned, um, you know, I'm an MBA with an engineer, engineering degree. I learned another um, side of the brain kind of and, and how, that, how that really contributes to helping organizations work effectively. You can have a great plan. You can have great process and structure. But if you can't get people um, engaged in that structure and process and strategy, it often doesn't go very far. And so I learned a lot in, from, in, from my consulting career um, and working with many, many organizations across many industries um, about, you know, how to, how to build what, what a good team looked like and what a bad one looked like. And, um, you know, so we, Gil and I both had some passion around working with teams. And, and so that's where that, where it's, that's where that focus came from. And, you know, he provides a strong theoretical construct to the work that we do as well from his PhD. Excellent. Very cool. So what are some good news stories coming out of the work that you guys are doing? You know, I think, um, the, the biggest, they're kind of intangible ones, but the, the biggest ones we see are the individual breakthroughs that people make that it really they're, you know, that adults make that are 40, 50, even 60 years old that have been doing things one way for a long period of time. And all of a sudden they recognize that, wow, all I have to do is tweak my behavior a little bit and not act like I know everything, listen a little bit and I can get even better results than I've been getting by being, you know, the know-it-all, right? And right. so um, those little moments of, wow, I can do some things differently that are, are going to even accelerate me and my team more, um, that really, that, that are very powerful. You know, and then there are the broader, the broader um experiences. I'm working with a construction contractor right now, about a $25 million construction contractor. And this CEO built this company from nothing about 10 years ago. And, you know, as a lot of growing companies do, they just, just did stuff, you know, and then they hired more people and then they, they put a set up department X and then department Y. And then, and then all of a sudden they're, they're managing way too much and trying to scale a company by themselves or with one or two people. And what we, you know, what we do is help them put some structure around the good work they're already doing and build a team so he can delegate to that team. And, and, um, 
you know, be the CEO, CEO he really wanted to become. And, and so that required some prioritization, some figuring out how to delegate effectively, uh, figuring out a project plan a little bit more effectively, and to repair some of the relational fractures that came from growing a company um, very rapidly and people stepping over each other and making assumptions about why he's doing this and why she's doing that. And so when you, you know, now we fast forward a year and I'm certainly not, we're not taking all the credit for this. They, they're really strong people there, but we provided a framework for them. You know, the last four or five executive team meetings over the last four or five months, these, this is a well-oiled machine. This is a group of people that is now, um, focused on what's most important, forward focused, most importantly, and um, really thinking about how we're going to scale the company as effectively as we can. Um, and so those, those are the moments where like, you're like, wow, that's, I, I, I feel really good about that. Here's a company that was doing well, no question about it, but now is poised to do even better and to grow even more um, with some, some tweaks yeah, a lot to a lot to take away from that right there, Jack. I mean, one of the biggest things is just to, the individuals you're talking about who sit back and go, "Wow, if I actually sit back and realize I don't know it all, quit acting like I know it all, I can actually learn a few things and and progress in my mindset and just make my my personal life and this team and this business so much better." I mean, it just it's tenfold. You know, there's a great book. Um by a guy named Marshall Goldsmith. Um, it's called what got you here. Won't get you there. Mm -hmm. And, and it's it, in a nutshell, it's got these 20 ha <clears throat> habits of, uh, ineffective leaders. And there's just, yeah, it's basically just says, you know, yeah, you built a company to this point, but are these same, same characteristics going to help you get it to this point, to the next point. Yeah, absolutely. And, and looking in the mirror, it's basically just looking in the mirror and saying, Hmm, Maybe want to. I want to. Maybe want to adapt and change and evolve a little bit. Yeah, and I've heard of that book, and I think I actually have it on my bookshelf somewhere because uh, that, that book's been around for a while. But you know, it sometimes it, it take it even takes looking at. Look, this is my baby. I built this from the ground yep. up, and you know what? Sometimes you're not the one to be the CEO. Yep. It's just the way it is. You're a great builder. You're a great starter, but somebody else needs to step in to do those other things, right? That's hard. That it is. is really hard. It's really yeah. hard. Yeah. No, I give I give that book to every uh, every CEO I work with. Yeah. Very important. Absolutely. It's fantastic. So, so we're at the point, Jack. Where we're going to pay it forward to our abundant leaders. Ready to do that? Sure. Excellent. So share one to three actionable steps that men of abundance can take today. Uh, I'd say the num the the number one is uh, is step back and and really be more self aware. Um, and, and what, what I mean by that is that, you know, there's a great book by a woman named Tasha Yurik. Um, she's a young organizational psychologist who wrote a book called insight. And it, it's really all about self-awareness and there's two parts. She, she, she characterized self-awareness as two parts. The first is self-awareness about how I see myself and, you know, what do I see as the good, bad, and the ugly of myself. Right. And then most importantly is is garnering some some uh, some input from others about how they see me and what are the 
you know, what are the gaps around how I see myself versus how others see me? Um, and to me, that's the kind of the glue to growth. If, if you really can't do that and you really assume that you know, then you probably are missing something. So I would step back. It's a great book you could use as a resource. She's got some articles that are simpler to read that talk about the same stuff. But really, self-awareness is huge. It's, it's just a, a, a huge tool. Um, and what, you know, and I guess another step is, is, uh, is thinking about things from others perspectives, right? I think, again, this is a related to self-awareness, but when you're, when you're confronted with something at work or home or whatever that, that is annoying to you or frustrating to you, be curious to start rather than maybe your my typical reaction is to get annoyed or frustrated or defensive, right? And so when I get defensive now, I try hard. I don't always do well at it, believe me. But when, when I'm defensive, because that's one of my natural reactions, is I try to be a little bit more curious and say, okay, what's causing that defensiveness? Is it about, is it me or do I feel like I'm being attacked or my values are getting questioned or whatever? Um, yeah, and so so I think those two things are really big. They're obviously related to each other, but try to try to take some time to step back and be more self-aware, and and then try to when, when confronted with things that are challenging to you, be curious first. Yeah, that's very important. Uh, the second one, well, they're both very important specifically, but one of the things from my background also as an equal opportunity advisor to two students two-star generals throughout my career, learning a lot about different cultures, but then also some of those per, those uh, team group and personality type tests lets you know that there's many different people on your team and you want people on your team that are different from you. You want, if you're laid back like I am, you want somebody who's more analytical is going to be in your face and be like, hey, you know, you got to think about this. And I'm like, oh my God, you're killing me. But yeah. there's yeah, a reason yeah, yeah. for that person being there, right? I've That's had a right. couple of those on my teams. And and then, of course, you got to know the different personality types and all this kind of stuff so that you can go, why is this individual acting this way at this point in time? Let's, I got to explore that because I got to use this somehow, not yep. try to push back against it, right? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, yeah, there's another great article on Harvard Business Review in the middle of the last year. Was, um, I think it's called The Case for Curiosity. Um, and it, it's it just yeah it basically just talks about what we're just saying it's like yeah just be curious man don't yeah. don't try try not to, to you know when you when you get emotional start by being curious yeah it's a yeah it's and it's a tool it, it's it's a it's a muscle that you have to build up uh, it's not something you can do overnight uh, it's for sure that. yeah it takes yeah I, I just ask my wife I'm not. <laughs> we're, we're great at it all the time that's for sure yeah, yeah absolutely mm -hmm. and we do drop back once in a while oh, so boy. what are some of the biggest rituals that make the biggest impact in your life jack you know I, i'm i'm a pretty organized guy um but as i get older um i i've gotten less organized i don't i'm not quite sure why i should probably analyze that a little bit but mm -hmm. but i i um i have I focus on a to-do list every day and I know that sounds like, you know, trivial stuff, but if I don't do that and I organize it into some buckets, client stuff, marketing stuff, personal stuff, 
Um, and I, I, I use the reminder tool on my phone mm-hmm. <laughs> to do that. And, and I, I'm, I live by it. Um, the other thing I do is, um, through LinkedIn and really I, this is kind of a marketing thing for me in terms of how I market my business. I really use LinkedIn and Facebook quite a bit, but it's forced me to read a lot more. I, I'm a pretty voracious reader to begin with, but it's forced me to curate some other people's, uh, articles and information from multiple sources. And those sources have been great catalysts for me in terms of my own learning and the work that I do um, with the teams that we work with. What are some of those sources? Yeah, just um, the Chief Executive Magazine, mm. um, Inc. Magazine, um, Forbes, um, All Business. There's, um, there's, there's just – I just get them through, from looking through LinkedIn and Facebook. I mm-hmm. scroll down and I, I look for good articles and then I share them. Um, but it's, and it's, it started as my marketing firm was like, you got to do more of that. We got to, we got to get you guys curating more. And, and I was like, okay, I can do that. And, but, but it also, the, the benefit of it became even greater learning for, for us as well. Excellent. Well, along with the articles and some of the other stuff you just mentioned, what, what else are you reading or listening to that you'd recommend to our abundant leaders and why? Yeah. So, um, I'm, I just, I'm halfway through a book called Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Um, she's got some great books um, on leadership out there, but uh, but it's it's just um, yeah, it's just a great great resource for having as a leader having you know how to reinforce having the difficult conversations that you need to have at at you know in building a company and. And to be a catalyst for others having those tough conversations as well, um, and it, 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 you know, it's great. It's it's been a, it's a really good book. Excellent. Um, I'll have that linked up in the show notes as well. Uh, but guys. the two I would recommend, though, man, like mm-hmm. uh, Insight by Tasha Yurik, and, and I'll send you the links to these. I have, Perfect. I have Tasha Yurik and um, and the. The what got you here won't got you get you there book as well. It's it's just good. It's really good stuff. Excellent. Yeah, great stuff. I'll have those linked up in the show notes. Yeah, send me those links and then I'll I'll put them in the show notes, guys, so you don't have to worry about writing that down right now. I know you're probably driving, working out, or doing whatever it is that you do, uh, listening to this uh, these amazing conversations. So, Jack, what do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance, or even in your case in your industry, from taking their business to that next level? You know, I think particularly uh, people that are in the, uh, you know, this is kind of a generalization, maybe baby, baby boomer generation and, and, and um, I guess the Gen Z's too, just feeling, I think we grew up feeling like we needed to know everything. Um, and so when I, I see a lot of leaders still um, feeling like they have to have all the answers and, and I think they can't, you know, in today's world and the environments we work in with the pace of change and the technology associated with it, it's just hard to know everything. So stop acting like you have to. That's why you have teams around you. That's why you should have to have teams, should have good teams around you. Um, and then listen, mm-hmm. listen to the folks that you bring to the table. I think those two things are really important. 
Yeah, if there's one thing that's aggravated the heck out of me in the past is is a leader asking for my uh, input or even any of the team's input and then not taking heed to any of it. <laughs> it's just so aggravating. So what does being a man of abundance mean to you, Jack? Well, I, I, I hope I am. I, I don't know that I am or not, uh, necessarily, but uh, it. It, I, I'm more than I was when I was younger. Anyway, um, it, it means you know having a perspective that's beyond your own, and being someone that's um, much more interested in learning and engaging with others, and um, and ultimately not just being in it for yourself, but helping other people out. And I really enjoy doing that in the, in my professional life and in my personal life too. I I love helping others, you know, get connected with people in my network that some kids looking for a job or someone lost their job and they're, you know, they're trying to get, I, I just, I enjoy doing that kind of stuff. Excellent. Yeah. Great answer. Great answer. So, brother, we are going to have relationship-impact.com linked up in the show notes. How else would you like for our men of abundance to find out more about you, get in contact with you? And what else do we not talk about that you want to ensure our abundant leaders get out of our conversation today? That's the best way to get in touch with me. Um, we have we we have spent a lot of time and money um, building uh, some great resources. Um uh, and uh, all focused on how to build a great leadership team. So that, that's definitely the, the website, relationship-impact.com is the best place to get us. Um, and what have we not talked about? I, I think, you know, I think you were great, Wally. You, you asked lots of questions and you got kind of at the heart of, of, of uh, what we do. And, and, uh, and I appreciate you spending a little bit of time on my background and, give me the opportunity to uh, talk a little bit about what, what are some of the blemishes <laughs> in my past as well that have helped me uh, be a, a, a more effective consultant. Yeah, that's what helps us move forward, man. If you're not making mistakes, if you're not uh, living some adversity, man, you're, you're just not growing. I agree. I agree. I agree. No Wonderful, question. man. So, brother, we are going to close this up. Thanks for your conversation. I greatly appreciate you. Go out, live your life of abundance, and keep paying it forward, man. It's making a huge difference. Thanks, Wally. Appreciate your time. Absolutely. All right, guys. I hope you got a lot out of that conversation. Your action step today is to figure out if and how you are being the leader first in yourself, in your family, in your community, and within your workplace, whether it's your business or you're working for somebody else. You always have the potential to be the leader in various situations. Now, sometimes you have to step back and be the follower. But in my experience, when you want to make things happen, you have to step up to be the leader. If you need help with that, then reach out for help. Find a coach or mentor that you can resonate with and will help you become the leader that you know you need to be for your family, your community, and your vocation. Now, go out and live your life of abundance. And guys, make sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.